Good afternoon, everybody. So nice to see you in the house of the Lord. Would you turn to a friend next to you and say, hi. <laughs> turn to a friend. You must turn to a friend. You don't just say hi to me. You must turn to a friend and say hi. Those of you at Bukit Bato, you must say hi to your friend too, all right? You know, we're in this series on Exodus, and we're talking about settling into the new normal. And really, we are so glad that we are moving into a new normal once again, right? How many of you are excited that we are e- uh, the government is easing all the restrictions? Can go Bali already, right? Can go all the holiday uh, places that you guys have been wanting to. How many of you want to go to the different uh, countries? Uh, anyone plan for countries already in, uh, in June? Anyone? Anyone? Nobody? Are you kidding me? Oh, their parent, your parents. Okay, all right. Okay, anyway, this is going to be a, 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 a message that we're going to talk about, this thing called the tabernacle. But you know what? Today, we are so blessed. We are so blessed to sit in nice seats. Don't you think we're very blessed? There are a lot of churches out there that don't even have such seats, you know. We are so blessed to be having nice air con. Sometimes we even complain, too cold. Am I right? And in this building itself, we have multiple rooms for meetings and various services. And I really want to ask to appreciate, uh, appreciate the vision and foresight of the past leadership who have planned for this building to be what she is today. Can we give the leadership a big hand? Come on. And you know what? Every building starts with an intention. Say with me, intention. Intention. It starts with an intention for a specific purpose. And the leadership saw that the church building would be a place where God would meet His people. And just now, when I was standing there, I I want you to know, I just wish that the worship will not end. How many of you felt that way? I was like, oh, I really felt the presence of God. And I pray that, you know, different ones of us, as we come into the presence of God, we will always say, God, we just want more of you. And the leadership saw that this will be a place where men and women would encounter God. And we also know that buildings have this thing called a blueprint. A blueprint. A blueprint is a technical drawing which explains the overall details of the structure of this building and why it was designed in this manner. Every engineer starts with the blueprint to understand the purpose of the design. And the furnishing also plays a big part to fulfill the owner's desire for the house or for the building. And every little detail will build up to the original details and design and purpose for the house. And today, my sermon topic is... The sermon title is A New Center, The Furnishing. The Furnishings, which is all our seats and all our different windows and everything else. Now, we have heard Yahweh, right? Introduce this very interesting thing called the tabernacle. Everybody say me, tabernacle. The tabernacle. But there's so much that we must understand about why and what the tabernacle meant. What did the various items in the tabernacle mean towards the grand design? Well, here are three areas to understand how certain furnishing in the tabernacle will point to the purpose of Yahweh's design in this tabernacle. 
Alright? So there are three areas. And we're going to unpack them. The first one is called the original design. There must be an original design. And number two, it must be the, about the furnishing. What about the furnishing? And the third thing is called the sacred space. What about the sacred space that is so important? And so these three areas will unpack the big idea for today's message. And the big idea is Yahweh, the Holy One, desires to dwell with His people. Yahweh, the Holy One, desires to dwell with His people. Yahweh, God, wants to dwell with you and I today. Well, to understand the purpose of why Yahweh designed the tabernacle in such a manner, we need to go back to the start in the Garden of Eden. We need to go back to the very, very start to know and understand the original design. The original design, number one, it tells us that Yahweh desired to dwell with His family. Remember, there was this earthly family that Yahweh wanted to dwell with, to live with. And Yahweh's original intent in Eden was to dwell with His earthly family. The original plan was designed for the word relationship. It was for relationship. It was not meant for Yahweh to command His people to become robots. It wasn't. It was for relationship where they will commune together. The original plan was for Yahweh to dwell with men. As we all know, Adam and Eve fell into sin. And sin affected the original plan. Well, still in Yahweh's heart, His original plan never changed. Yahweh was holy. And so because He was holy, He could no longer dwell with man who is sinful now in close proximity. So now there is this barrier. So Yahweh designed another plan to continue with His original plan, but yet in a different way. And this new plan was called the tabernacle. It was called the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was like a tent, as you can see from this picture. Alright? Can you see the picture? It was like a tent. And here are the things that we need to know about the tabernacle. What about this tent that is so important? Well, the tabernacle was heaven on earth. The tabernacle was like heaven on earth. For the tabernacle to be heaven on earth, it will mean that the tabernacle was Yahweh's plan and design. It meant that Yahweh was the designer. In Exodus chapter 25, Yahweh was instructing Moses to build the tabernacle as how he wanted the design to be. So we have to be very clear. The designer of the tabernacle was Yahweh. In Exodus 25, verse 8 and 9, it says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Exactly as I show you, he was talking to Moses, as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, so you shall make it. It is clear that Yahweh was the designer of this tabernacle. And of course, he had to be the designer. It was because Yahweh knew the purpose for the tabernacle. And the purpose was for Yahweh to dwell in the midst of His people. 
And it was the original plan and design all the way from Eden. Yahweh used the tabernacle to bring heaven to earth to dwell with men. And with that, we can also understand that the tabernacle was a meeting place. The tabernacle was a meeting place for Yahweh and His people. Let's examine how the tabernacle became a meeting place. Well, the tabernacle echoed Eden. It resembled Eden. The construction of the tabernacle carried the same purpose as Eden. Both the tabernacle and Eden were designed for Yahweh to be in the midst of His people. And just like Eden, the tabernacle was cosmic. It was supernatural. It was supernatural. It was a place where heaven and earth met in a supernatural way, where there was a God and man together. And Eden was a place where, God, where Yahweh dwelt and had many interactions with humanity. So too was the tabernacle. And we can see some of these instances where Yahweh would meet with His people. And let me read that in Leviticus 9.23. It says, And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting, which was the tabernacle. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. So it was a place where there was this certain interaction with Yahweh's people. And Yahweh made sure that the design of the tabernacle echoed what Eden was supposed to be. Not only did the tabernacle echo Eden, the tabernacle was where Yahweh's presence also dwelt with Israel. It was a place where Yahweh's presence dwelt with Israel. As we read in Exodus 25, it says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Dwell in their midst. When we look, when we look at this word dwell, okay, when we look at this word dwell, it doesn't mean that Yahweh was stuck in the tabernacle. Okay, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that Yahweh was in house arrest. He cannot leave the tabernacle. It doesn't mean that. The Hebrew meaning meant that Yahweh was among them. Okay? Yahweh was among them. Yahweh was amongst His people. Yahweh wasn't holed up like a prisoner in the tabernacle. So the tabernacle was not meant to be understood literally as Yahweh's residence. It wasn't meant to be that Yahweh was stuck there but rather it functions as the understanding that Yahweh's existence and presence was amongst His people. That was what it meant. Now, because Yahweh's existence was felt among His people, it became heaven on earth. Just now, when you and I were worshipping, did you feel that there was such a presence of God in this place? Do you all feel that? I felt that. And I know many of us, we were very touched by the presence of God. So what does this mean for us today? You know, we can never confine God to a place because He is omnipresent. Omnipresent means He's everywhere. There was one story that, that a little kid asked his mother once. He took a matchbox 
You know, he took a matchbox and he said, Mommy, you said God is everywhere, right? And then mommy said, yes, God is everywhere. And then the little boy said, is mommy, uh, uh, mommy is, is God in this matchbox? She, he opened up the matchbox. And then mommy said, yes, God is everywhere. He's also there in the matchbox. Then he went, close it. Ha ha, I caught God. Okay, you're a bit slow here today. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. I wish I could catch God everywhere, you know, and then just put it in my heart, right? <laughs> the original purpose of the design is for God to be in our midst. Turn to a friend and say, God is in your midst. The original design was for God to dwell in our midst as we carry His presence as believers. We carry His presence. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Well, the form has changed through time from Eden to the tabernacle and now to us as the temple of the Holy Spirit. We now carry God's presence. Do you know how cosmic that is? Do you know how supernatural that is? That you are carrying the presence of God. The original design and plan remained the same. That God just wants to dwell in the midst of His people, you and I. And we can experience heaven on earth today because the, the original design from Eden is still carrying the same intent today in you and I. The God of universe desires to live with you and me and it was all part of the plan all the way from Eden. Now, we know the original design for the tabernacle, right? We need to understand the different furnishing of the tabernacle, of the tabernacle and what they meant. The furnishing is all because Yahweh is holy. The importance of the furnishing is because Yahweh is holy. The tabernacle and its furnishings were designed, okay, they were all designed by Yahweh and it was designed to reflect Yahweh's glory, beauty and holiness. It was, to desi it was designed to reflect who Yahweh was. And to be clear, the tabernacle technically refers to only the holy place and the holy of holies, Okay? It only means the tabernacle, it, the, the, tab, the tabernacle refers only to the holy place and the holy of holies. It's in the, the tent. I want you to take time to read Exodus 26 and 27 in your free time, alright? And so the tabernacle and its furnishing ref, re, reflects Yahweh's glory, beauty and holiness. Now, each of the furnishings were meticulously designed and created to draw attention to the presence of Yahweh. It was designed to draw attention to the presence of Yahweh. From Exodus 36 to 39, it detailed for us the contents within the tabernacle. There are so many contents. We won't be going through all the contents today, alright? We won't be. But some of the contents were like 
the tabernacle items, which were from uh, 30, uh, chapter 36, verse 8 to th- uh, 38, the ark and the items in it, the table and related items, the lampstand, the altar of incense, the anointing oil, the fragrance, uh, the fragrant incense, so many things. The, alt- the altar of burnt offering, the bronze liver, the tabernacle courtyard, the, the one that's outside the tabernacle, the priestly vestments. What does the priest wear? They're, these are also important as well. And all these were presented to Moses to be inventoried. All the furnishing, decorations, and design of the entire tabernacle represented the design in Eden as Yahweh's dwelling place. Now, each of the items were created for the gradation of holiness. Wow, what does that mean? It meant that as one goes deeper into the tabernacle, the more holy it becomes. Okay? The more you go deeper into the tabernacle, the holier it becomes. And that's why those of you sitting at the back, it's the most unholy place. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so to, next week, uh, you must come to the very front. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right now, the Holy Spirit is everywhere. Each of the items were created because there was a gradation of holiness. The tabernacle draws the concept of a sacred space. A sacred space between Yahweh and His people. And we're going to talk about the sacred space later. Now, through the detailed plan of the tabernacle, the author was trying to stress that it was the wisdom of Yahweh and not men and not men that built the tabernacle. It had to be God. It had to be God to design what He wanted. And it had to reflect His holiness. Now let's look at some of the furnishings in the tabernacle and learn how they add up to the original design. Well, within the tabernacle, there was the holy place. Everybody say, the holy place. Now, in the holy place, there was a table of showbread. Okay, there was a table of showbread. And you'll see in the picture. And in this table, it shows that Yahweh desired to be near His family and fellowship with them. He wanted to be near His family and to fellowship with them. It was important to note that the presence of a table, when there is a table, it portrayed that Yahweh was not Interested to dwell in this tabernacle alone. Can you imagine a God who has a table and had nobody to talk to, nobody to sit with, nobody to interact with. Yahweh desired for communion with His people, most importantly. And the table represented a restoration of fellowship between Him and His people. A table represents communion and communication. It also symbolizes fellowship and family. You know, we all sit at the table with people we consider as friends and family, where there is a sharing of food and life. How many of you know that when you sit with your enemies, uh, I pray that we have no enemies. We're all Christians here, right? No enemies. Right? Some of you are like, ugh. You won't want to sit at the table with an enemy, in a sense. You will feel so awkward. You're like, 
I want to get out of here very soon. Mommy, can you call me home now? <laughs> you want to sit in a table with your friends, laugh. And now we can have more than 10 people sitting at a table eating outside, right? And the table was designed by Yahweh as an invitation. An invitation to come. Come and dine together. Come and fellowship together. Doesn't this echo the design in Eden where Yahweh desired fellowship with Adam and Eve? On this table, there was this bread of presence. Leviticus 24, verse 5 to 9. Let me read that. You shall take fine flour and bake 12 loaves from it. Two tenths of an ephod shall be in each loaf. And you shall set them in two piles, six in a pile, on the table of pure gold before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each pile, that it may go with the bread as a memorial portion, as a food offering to the Lord. Every Sabbath day, Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, all the priests, huh? and they shall eat it in the temple, uh, they shall eat it in a holy place, since it is for him a most holy portion out of the Lord's food's offering, a perpetual due. Wow. The 12 loaves of bread were a representation. There were 12 loaves. They were a representation of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, this is very, very significant. It is significant because it represented that all who are in Yahweh's family, which are the 12 tribes, they all shared a place at His table. It means that each and every one of us here today, we share a place at God's table. You and I are invited to be in this table with God. Again, we see the design of Yahweh's tabernacle was for Him to dwell in the midst of His people, to fellowship and to commune with His people. Well, another item in the holy place, it is the golden lampstand. And you'll see this golden lampstand here. Well, the purpose of the golden lampstand, which is also called the menorah, was to illuminate the holy place. Let's light up the menorah. I'm a bit stressed. The menorah was a light in the entire holy place. There is no other light. There is no other light in the holy place other than the golden lamb stand. And this light was to be lit every single moment. The golden lampstand was designed to remind Yahweh's people that He was their light. 
and He was ever-present in their lives. The golden lampstand symbolized Yahweh's presence over His people in every moment. I think we can have the real lights up now. If not, the video cannot see me. Bukit Batok cannot see me. It represented Yahweh as the watcher over Israel who never slept nor nodded, much less for him to rest. Psalms 121 verse 4, it says, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. As the light for Israel, Yahweh must dwell in the midst of his people in every moment. It all goes back to the original design. Thank you, Andre. Let's give Andre a big hand. It all goes back to the original design when Yahweh was in the midst of Adam and Eve in the garden. We were discussing just now, hey, when to remove it. Huh? Because by right, we're not supposed to let the light go off, you know. Then we're saying, let it burn all the way. Right, so we were discussing and said, Nemai lah, the Holy Spirit is everywhere now, you know. And the presence of God is everywhere now. <laughs> so anyway, he had to remove that anyway. Okay, now, do you notice something about light? When there was a light, there was a certain presence. You understand what that meant? The presence of God was everywhere. The light shone. We are called to be light of the world. You and I can be the light for the people out there. Jesus is the light in today's term. Jesus is the light for all of us. Jesus and God is here to say to you, I'm there in every moment of your life. In those darkest moments of your life, the light of Christ was always there. And I do not know where you may be. Some things you may have been going through, your darkest moments. I want you to know, the menorah was there all the way. It never, ever stopped shining its light. And God will never stop shining His light and His presence over you, no matter what you are going through. Amen? Now finally, the, the other section of the tabernacle is the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is because Yahweh is holy. You know, the term Holy of Holies is such an exaggerated expression. Holy alone, right? Holy alone, not enough. It has to be the holiest of any holy moment or element. It has to be the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest can enter the Holy of Holies because the holiness of Yahweh. It was because Yahweh was holy. And that was the strongest and the, the strongest point of God's holiness, Yahweh's holiness. The high priest's role is to atone for the sin of the people to appease the wrath of God. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, it says, When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room. And that only once a year. Once a year. And never without blood. 
which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people the and, and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. And so the design of the Holy of Holies reflected that Yahweh is holy. And any interaction with unholiness will be fatal. So the high priest must cleanse himself, make sure that he's holy enough to enter, make sure that he's clean enough to enter, following all the rites. He had to make sure he was clean, he was pure, he was holy before Yahweh. If not, he will have become barbecue, you know. The Holy of Holies contained the Ark of the Covenant. Exodus 25, verse 10, 16, and 22. It says here, They shall make an ark of acacia wood, and you shall put into the ark the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of, testimony, of the testimony, I will speak with you, all about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. You see, the Ark of the Covenant represented Yahweh's revelation, His revelation to His people. It contained the stone-carved ten requirements for holy living. Yahweh designed the Ark to contain His moral, ethical, and religious guiding principles so that His people would learn how to be holy as He is holy. So it's basically to teach all of us what does it mean to be holy. And the ark represented Yahweh's presence. His presence that is in the midst of His people. And the ark of the holy of holy signifies that the presence of God is the strongest of all the places in the tabernacle and around the tabernacle. That was the most holy place. Well, as we looked at Yahweh's original design, you can see Yahweh's love for His people. You can see His love for His people. You can see God's love for you and I today. You see, Yahweh was so careful to protect the fallen sinful humans from his wrath. Yahweh took so much care to hold himself back from destroying sinful humans and yet at the same time desired to be found in the midst of his people. Do you see the love of God for each and every one of us? He could easily destroy all of us but he chose to take careful attention to protect us and yet still be with us. Yahweh knew that due to sin, there was a separation that broke the fellowship between Him and His people. So now the tabernacle, which Yahweh created, a sacred space that is safe for Him to be in the midst of His people without destroying them. And Yahweh's, tab Yahweh's tabernacle was not the original Eden but it echoed so many aspects of it. Well, there is still a need to be holy to approach Yahweh. There is still a need to be holy to approach God. Just like how the high priest would prepare himself, right? To cleanse himself, to enter the Holy of Holies. 
So we understand the design of Yahweh's intention to be in the midst of His people. So now, what does it mean for us? Well, it means that there is a sacred space. It is Yahweh's sacred space. God welcomes us into His sacred space. God welcomes us into His presence because the original design was for Him to dwell with us. Once we understand the design, we understand better how to approach a holy God. Once we understand why certain things were done, we now understand how to approach a holy God. The Old Testament tabernacle required a high priest to make atonement for the sins of the people. He had to go in with blood, you know, to make atonement for the sins of the people. And we just saw two weeks ago at Easter, what did, what, what did we see at Easter? Jesus died on a cross. Jesus died on a cross to break the barrier between God and us and to make atonement for all our sins once and for all. Jesus died for our sins and rose again to restart the original plan, the original design that God wants to dwell with us, that God wants to dwell with you and me. You see, Understanding God's heart is good. We, when we understand God's heart, it is good. But understanding what Christ did for us on the cross to achieve God's heart is even better. Christ came not as items in the tabernacle. He didn't come as an item in the tabernacle. He came to be our high priest and also the sacrificial lamb for us. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1 and 2. Now the point in what we're saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true intent that the Lord set up and not men. Hebrews 10 verse 12 to 14. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until His enemies should be made a footstool for His feet. For by a single offering, His offering, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Because of the work on the cross, now God's Spirit can live in us. We have now become God's sacred space. Turn to a friend and say, you are God's sacred space. The veil that separated God and man is now broken. Matthew chapter 27, 50, verse 50 and 51, it says, And Jesus cried out when He was on the cross with a loud voice and yielded up His spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks split. There is no longer the need for a veil to separate the holy God with sinful men and women because Christ made the atonement, Christ made that sacrifice for our sin and that sets us apart to be holy for Him. From a tent, now God's Spirit lives in us and we are His living temples. 
1 Corinthians 3, 16, 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple and, the, and that God's Spirit dwells? You see, God dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you, you are His temple. I am His temple. We are now inhabited by the Holy Spirit of God. And we are also the temple of God. God wants you and I to enjoy this original design. He designed for us fellowship, communion, that one-on-one, that closeness. God desires to dwell with you and me all the time, every single moment. And I want to say this, it doesn't matter whether you feel it or you don't feel it, God wants to dwell with you and I, even if you feel that you are unworthy. It doesn't change His love for you. How do we enter the sacred space properly then? With the work on the cross, which is atoned for our sins, we must now learn to be holy. We must now learn to enter and approach a holy God and to enjoy His holy presence. Well, some simple ways is enter the sacred space with appropriate reverence and preparation. Enter the sacred space, that means enter His presence with appropriate reverence and preparation. We must live as images of God. We are imaging God. Our world is so filled with darkness that we are often confronted with living out our godly values in a fallen world. Isn't it true? Sometimes it's just so tough, right? To be a Christian in this fallen world. One of the famous phrases that was created in the 1800s was, what would Jesus do? How many of you know this phrase? What would Jesus do? WWJD. What would Jesus do? It was coined by Charles Sheldon in his book, In His Step. Go and read that book. When confronted with difficult challenges in life, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do to secure that deal? What would Jesus do in that exam hall (laughs) when you don't know the answer? (laughs) What would Jesus do in your army barracks when no one is watching? What would Jesus do if we are asked to cover up a lie or something that is wrong? For those of us who are working, what would Jesus do if we are asked to do under-table deals? What would Jesus do if your boss asks you to break the law? What would Jesus do? Knowing that God lives in us will cause us to live our lives in reverence of His holiness. It is because we are carrying His presence. God's holy presence is in us. Romans 12 verse 1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a, as a living, living sacrifice. Very good. Give that guy a, a hundred points. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. What about a simple act of reverence to a holy God by being early for service? Oh, I can feel the weight of the holiness of God now. 
All of you are giggling. I don't know why, I don't know why you're giggling, you know. Do we treat God with reverence when we enter His sacred space? When we are in His sacred space, are we lying? Are we telling lies with the songs that we sing? I surrender all. But God, you cannot take that portion. Huh? I surrender all. God, I like that girl, but she's not Christian. It's okay, lah, right? All to thee. Are we lying? Are we lying? Nothing else. Nothing else will do. Oh, what's for dinner tonight? Huh? Do we really mean what we say, what we sing? Or are we giving God lip service? Are we careful not to sin? Sin is not obeying what commands us, right? And God commands us to love one another. Do we bear bitterness with another fellow image of God? God, I love you, I love you, but I hate the guy. God, zap that guy for me. When we have sinned, are we quick to repent and come back to God? You know, it's so easy to come back to God. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Have we now become God's, now that we have become God's sacred space, we welcome Him into our hearts. How can we expect God to dwell in our hearts when we don't give Him reverence? Do we treasure and protect the original design that God wants to dwell in us? And you know what? God cannot be our Saturday God. But we come to church on Saturday or on Sundays. But He has to be our everyday God because we are His sacred space. Every day of our lives, God wants to live in you. Enter the sacred space also with gratitude and confidence. We've been redeemed through the work on the cross. May the musicians come. And the resurrection power of Jesus. We've been redeemed through the work on the cross and the resurrection power of Jesus. And we must stand secure for no sin need to have a grip on us anymore. We have been set free in Christ. So turn to a friend and say, you are free in Christ. He has broken the power of sin over us. We can experience freedom from bondage to the works of the enemy. Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we repent from our sins, we can walk in gratitude. In gratitude and in confidence that our relationship with God has been restored. Come into His presence with joy and singing. Live life with the full abundance that God and Jesus has given to us. We can express freely our joy and gratitude to God through worship. Now we can sing, right, in church? Can we sing loudly? Yes, we can. Let's give God our full gratitude. And say, God, I just love you. That's who you are to me. Sometimes we can sing so passionately in karaoke. But when we come to church, I don't know why we cannot sing so passionately. Now, karaoke is so famous, right? I heard that you, all the bookings have been done all the way until July or something like that. No? Yeah. Because I asked my wife, hey, you want to go karaoke? We are His sacred space. We are His sacred space. And we can worship God anywhere 
anytime. And in church today, what is holding you back from enjoying God? What is holding you back from giving Him gratitude, giving Him reverence? What is holding you back? Are you ashamed? Are you ashamed that you sing and people around you are looking at you? What is it for them? It's your relationship with God. It's who God wants to be with you. God wants to be with you. God wants to be with me today. God is never ashamed of us and we should never be ashamed when we worship Him. A simple thing. Enter the sacred space with gratitude and confidence. And now, really, it's time for us to run into His presence. There's no veil. There's no barrier. We can enter Him into His presence. We can enter into His presence anytime. And today in a service like this, online as well, we can just enter into His presence and run to Papa, Daddy God, and say, God, we just love you. The original design for God to dwell in our midst is really an unbroken design. It's an unbroken design. And let me sum it up for us. Through this revelation that God spoke to me many years ago, God spoke to me about this unbroken design. God's heart was broken when man sinned. Sin broke the relationship between God and man. Sin caused man to become broken. Yet God's love for man remained unbroken. And a light broke through man's darkness through Jesus. Jesus was broken on the cross for men, for you and I. And through His death, Jesus then broke the curse of sin and death upon men. That God's original design to be in the midst of man remains unbroken. Is the God we serve. Let's pray. Every head bow. Father, we thank you for your love for us. You went through so much details just to be in our midst, to be with us. Even in our sinful nature, God, you just came to be with us and you woo us back with your presence with your love and I pray oh God that even today God that we will appreciate the tabernacle what you did we will appreciate even the work on the cross when you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we can now be that sacred space for you and I pray, oh God, that even as we approach your presence right now, once again, minister to us, speak to us, oh God. With every head bow, every eye closed, all across this place. Some of you may feel that you have let God down because of certain sin or certain things that you have done. Don't let that hold you back from His presence. Don't. No matter what you've done, all it takes is just to turn around and say, God, I'm sorry. 
come to the Father once again. And so, no eyes looking around, every head bowed. If that's you and you're struggling so hard and you say, Pastor, I really don't know how to, but I want to come back. I really feel so horrible, so lousy. I just want to come back. I know God has wooed me. God has brought me into His presence. I just need to come back. If that's you and you're struggling and you say, I want to come back, maybe I don't know how. I just want you to raise your hands at me. No eyes looking around so that I can see, I can pray for you. Anyone here in this place that you say, God, that Pastor, I, I want to come back. I want to come back right now. Any, anyone here? Yes, I see the hand. Yes, I see the hand. Yes, I see the hand. I see the hand right now. God sees your hand. And in a moment's time, we will have a chance to respond to God. Another group of us, I'm just going to say that we want to commit our lives to live a holy life, a holy lifestyle for God. And today, we just want to come into His presence. Come into His presence. Nothing, just us. Just coming into His presence and say, God, you made a way and now I'm here to just be in your presence today. So why don't we all across this place just stand right now. Just stand. And if you're feeling that you need to come to the presence of God as we sing, you know, I want to invite you to come into this place. If you need prayer, come. We're going to pray for you. If you say, I want to be in the presence of God, come right now. This is the place. Just be yourself. Don't be ashamed of God. Caught up in your presence. Come on, sing it to Him. And I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. You know, as the worship team continues to sing this, those of you who are feeling it, you need to come and make it right before God. This is the time right now. Come, come and make it right before God. Don't hold back right now. The veil is torn. This is the place for you to come right now. If you need to make it right with God and you say, God, I don't know how to do it. You just need to make the first step. Come right now. And you say, God, I just want your presence. Also come. Come on, just worship Him. To him. I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. And more than anything that you can do, I just want you. Come on, all across this place. Show yourself into worship. Show yourself 
Jesus right now. Just tell it to Him. Tell it to Him. Nothing else, oh, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else. Come on, reach out to him. I just want nothing else, nothing else, nothing else. Come on, cry it out in desperation. Just cry it out. Nothing else will do I just want Jesus, you don't owe me 